As we begin this morning, I'd just like to point out that uh, some of the thoughts I'm sharing today are inspired in a series that I've been working through myself, uh, sermons on what Jesus said and their comments on the words of Jesus throughout all of his ministry. And we're going to certainly be taking a look at some of those words as his ministry begins. All of us are citizens of this world. And unfortunately, in this world, millions of people every day suffer one way or another. They sometimes experience the devastations of war, the sorrows of oppression, the dissemination of disease, the slow starvation, death of starvation, and often the indignity of poverty. Beyond the physical conditions, millions of people also live in a spiritual darkness, and that is entirely, hugely prevalent, in our, I would say, in our modern world, especially in our Western culture. People are crushed today by a load of sin and habits that torment them. The light of truth has not really dawned in their lives, and there is no sense of hope in so many people. While we are in this world, our battle rages for our spiritual allegiance. And in his first recorded sermon of sorts, this first time that Jesus taught, Jesus gives some detail to the nature of his mission. He, in these words, tells us why he came to earth. This message was delivered, as we heard, in the synagogue of Nazareth, where Jesus stood to read in the synagogue, and he read from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And uh, it was a common occurrence in the synagogues for people to stand and read and often comment. So today we're going to explore these particular words as Jesus quotes from Isaiah. But before we do, let us just bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, descend upon us as you do in so many different situations in Scripture. In Nehemiah, when the people heard your word, they cried and wept. Cried and wept with joy. And Lord, we pray that you can open our hearts and minds to that same sense of of deep uh, release and emotion that can change our lives. That's the whole point. And so, as we read in the psalm, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my mind be acceptable before you and your people. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to review those words one more time. When Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day as was his custom and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now if we follow the lectionary, which this is from today, into next week, and next week we're going to digress a little bit from the lectionary, the pure form. It says that... Uh, a little beyond that, we would include next week in our, if we were reading the lectionary. And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded from his mouth. And they said, is, this not Joseph, this, is not this Joseph's son? And then he quoted uh, some readings from First and Second Kings. And they got mad at him when he read that because he talked about how the people of Israel were ignored 
in two situations, and foreigners were saved, particularly, again, in those two stories. And they got mad. And when they heard this, all the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and put him out of the city and led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down headlong. And in my quite well beat up and marked up Bible, I have underlined the last verse in that segment. But passing through the midst of them, he went away. It doesn't say he got away. It doesn't say he escaped. It doesn't mean he said he fought his way. He just passed through their midst and went his way. Almost the first miracle in so many ways. But he upset them. And he upset them because he was talking about something very different than what they had perceived. Jesus was concerned about the kingdom of God and our membership in it. According to Mark 1.15, he already had declared, quote, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He was declaring that the kingdom of God had arrived in some sense in the presence of Jesus himself on earth. Jesus said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was not saying this was something Isaiah talked about only for his time. He was saying Isaiah the prophet was saying something was going to happen. And today that has happened. Look at me, he said basically. And that's what got them a little upset. This was just some person in their midst that they knew was a little boy and grew up. And he was proclaiming something quite unique. The full power and presence of the kingdom of God will not be realized until Jesus truly comes back in our time. However, by the power of the Spirit, the influence and presence of the kingdom of God is made known in our lives today, just as it was in Jesus' time for him. Our text gives us more details about this particular mission. The mission of Jesus was to reach out to the poor, to deliver the captives, to restore sight to the blind, and to lift up the downtrodden. And this mission is as relevant today as it was then. We look at those words that he quotes from Isaiah and he's saying about himself. We can see the different points. Firstly, Jesus is deeply concerned about poor people. Here, Jesus means those who are impoverished economically, and that seems pretty obvious in that sense. But does this mean that he is not concerned about the wealthy or the common people who are not poor? No, it does not. He just did not have to express that concern as we read maybe in that psalm. His audience would have understood that a leader would be concerned about those who are better off. But by focusing on the most needy, he includes all those who have needs. Thus, he begins by expressing concern for those who are despised by others. It would not be politically correct to speak against the poor today or then. Yet the actions of some people signal their contempt for them. If they only worked as hard as we do, they say we would not, they would not be poor. They would not be as hard down in their, in their luck. Just got a job, worked harder. We are often not eager to bring the poor into our midst. They don't dress like we do. Even in a dress casual environment, their casual clothes are not of the designer type maybe, and we can sometimes feel, let's not have them here or put them over there. Unspoken, yet this is a powerful, silent testimony to a wrong attitude. And I don't mean here locally, I mean just in general terms. Certainly in our North American culture. Jesus, anointed of the Spirit, would preach the gospel to these people. Literally, he would evangelize or announce the good news, because that's what evangelize means. He was announcing some good news to them. The gospel 
of Jesus Christ, is the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is for the poor as well as all others. Jesus preached a message of salvation to these people. It included repentance and faith. It included true righteousness and concern for the poor. It included deliverance from sin and sickness. It included the good news of the coming kingdom and of the final triumph of good. Fortunately, it was a comprehensive salvation and affected all aspects of life. There is no part of our lives left untouched by the gospel. Was there an economic message to the poor? The answer is yes, but we must be careful how we often express that. We must not exalt either wealth or poverty because often poverty gets kind of held up high. There is no absolute correlation uh, between either wealth or poverty and spiritual well-being. We know people are financially poor and spiritually rich as well as poor people who are spiritually poor. We also know that wealthy people who are spiritually rich and other wealthy people who are spiritually poor. The question for us today in this particular area of Jesus' mission is what is our condition today? Are we living in poverty? A spiritual poverty? And then Jesus speaks directly and simply to all of us that may have an answer yes to that to some degree. He wants all of us to believe and to enjoy the benefits of his salvation. Being his disciple is incredibly demanding when we really put it to it. Our allegiance to him must be stronger than our possessions. But spiritual benefits are clearly abundant. Second, Jesus is concerned about captives. Now, the captives of the Old Testament often are those who have been captured at spear point, and we can think of them maybe as prisoners of war. During his days on earth, Jesus was concerned primarily with those who were enslaved by the evil one. They were prisoners in a spiritual war. Millions of people today are truly spiritual captives. They may be captives of habits, of attitudes, and lifestyles that they can't control. And any one of us could be one of them. The captives, however, are not limited to people who are in spiritual darkness. Some believers are captives of oppressive forces, and this too is a form of enslavement. The Spirit sent Christ to proclaim release to the captives. The Spirit would enable Christ to proclaim the message of deliverance and freedom. The Spirit is a bridge between the present and the future. And through the Spirit, the power of the kingdom of God breaks upon the earth. While he was on the earth, Jesus did not empty the jails. He did not get involved in political affairs and he did not run around setting prisoners of war free. If I were unjustly in prison, I would, might be praying that Christ would set me free. However, the ultimate fulfillment of this promise will be when Christ returns to earth. All oppressive regimes will be put under his power and authority. Moreover, prisons will not be needed because crime will not exist. So the question for us is, what is our condition today? Are any of us enslaved by habits, by thoughts we can't control, by circumstances that overpower us? And an example of this might be the Internet. It's a powerful force for good. When you put a message on the Internet, it's available to people everywhere. And we're seeing that happening in our own web page when messages are printed there and thoughts are expressed. We're getting people from all over the place responding. We've never had a, a before had a tool that can reach out globally and as quickly as that. Unfortunately, evil messages can also be quickly distributed. Anyone can learn to build a bomb and, 
And we had an example of that just this past week in Kingston. Someone got instructions on how to do this and how to get in contact with somebody. And we're making plans and the FBI and RCMP got involved. We sometimes receive evil invitations via email and any one of you may have seen some of these coming across. We call it spam. But we must ask the Lord to guard us and keep us from evil. We do have good news, folks. Jesus came anointed of the Spirit to set prisoners of all sorts free. Through the Word and the Spirit, He still speaks today. Anyone can turn to Him and be delivered. Anyone can live in the liberty of the truth applied to our lives. Thirdly, Jesus is concerned about blind people. The primary reference was no doubt to people who were physically blind. However, we cannot overlook the spiritually blind. When we sit and listen to commentators of the world, the talk shows, you know the millions that are spiritually blind suddenly. They have no idea of what spiritual truth is. The eyes of their souls can't see it, and they truly do live in a darkness. The mission of Christ was to proclaim to all who were blind that their sight could be recovered. Once again, this proclamation is made in the power of God's Spirit, the power of the Spirit that brings the power of the kingdom of God into everyone's lives right now. Christ opened the eyes of the spiritually blind. Many came to faith in him and followed him. In addition, he healed people who were physically blind, but thus both literally and spiritually, this proclamation was fulfilled during the days that he walked on this earth. John the Baptist, in fact, was in prison wanting, to, wanting reassurance that Jesus was the Son of God. He sent a messenger at one point to Jesus. We can read about that in the Gospel of Matthew. Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus reassured John by sending his message back with this report. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Very much like the wording we saw in Isaiah. The evidence was both powerful and plentiful. Today, Christ is present to heal. Recovery of sight simply means that the person who was blind could now see. And tens of thousands of people who have been spiritually blind are being set free because Jesus opened their eyes. And the question for us regarding this today, have we, any of us, come today with skepticism in our hearts? Are we skeptics in our modern world? Does this skepticism close our eyes to the truth that God is revealing to us through Christ? And do we feel a need for someone outside to help us to see, well, we can cry to Jesus because he is here to minister to all of us. And lastly, in these points, Jesus is concerned about the downtrodden. Who are they? They are the ones who have been bruised by life. The Greek verb used here for downtrodden means to break into pieces. The bruising can be both in body, but in spirit as well. Many are broken and crushed spiritually and physically. Here, Jesus refers primarily to being downtrodden and bruised by others, but we are all broken in some ways by oppression and in a sense enslaved by them. What they have done to us captures us and our attention. We must be set free from the oppression and the oppressors. Once again, the Spirit empowers Jesus to bring the benefits of the kingdom of God into life on earth. Jesus was set apart and sent by the Spirit to set at liberty those who were downtrodden and bruised spiritually, emotionally, and physically. While he was on earth, he delivered men and women from oppression of their spirits and their bodies. Sometimes the deliverance comes by change of attitude 
in their hearts. Jesus challenges us deeply with these words found in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How many times have any of us here felt downtrodden and broken at some point? The circumstances of life can take their toll on all of us. We don't know whether we can get up and go again. Just remember that Jesus identifies with all of us in every moment of brokenness he truly understands. There's a chorus and a song which we've sung here many times in our church. And Jesus said, come to the water, stand by my side. I know you are thirsty, you won't be denied. I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried. And I strove to remind you that for those tears, I died. Verse 19 will provide our conclusion. Jesus was anointed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And I'll just briefly talk about that in the sense that every 50th year in the Jewish tradition, it was the Jubilee year. And in the Jubilee year, a trumpet was blown throughout the whole land and the liberty of Hebrew slaves, the canceling of debts and the restoration of possession to original owners was proclaimed. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the year of favor. Something, a trumpet is going to be blown. Something wonderful is going to happen and it's going to change the course of history. Whether or not the 50th year is meant totally by this phrase, the acceptable year, but it does mean a time when it would be acceptable to God to proclaim such a message of deliverance. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus assures us that now is the time when all people may come to God and be delivered from their sins, the things that imprison them, the things that blind them, the things that oppress them, the things that cause them to be downtrodden and may be redeemed. The good news is that we are still in that favorable year of the Lord. Jesus is still fulfilling his mission in all of us. He has anointed us with the Spirit to bring that message of good news to the world. And now we are helping all of us to fulfill that mission of Christ. The good news is for us right now. Truly, in our lives and worshiping as Christians and living our lives as Christians and acting as Christians, the gospel is being preached to the poor, the captives are being set free, the blind are seeing, and the downtrodden are set at liberty. Will we believe it? Will we receive it? Will we act on it? We will. Amen. Each one of us is essential to the life and well-being of the whole body of Christ, that whole body we read about in Corinthians. So we now come to share our gifts and resources in order that we are able to care for one another and without dissension for the world Christ came to save. Amen.